Well, good morning once again. Good morning, early afternoon, I guess would be better said. Um, my name is Jeff. If you didn't catch that earlier on in the announcements, I serve as one of the elders here at Maranatha. And today we are in our second week of our newest sermon series, which is in the book of Ruth. So if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles there, we're going to be in the second part of the first chapter of that book, Ruth. Today I'm going to be preaching on chapter 1, verses 7 through 22. Now, uh, Ruth can be kind of a hard book to find. It's a pretty short one, but it's there in the earlier part of the Old Testament, right after Judges and right before 1 Samuel, if you're paging through, uh, that might help. And if you're going to use one of the Bibles in front of you, which you're uh, allowed to take home as a gift from us to you if you don't have a Bible, the page number in that Bible will be 208. Now, last week, we looked at the historical context for when and where we find these very real characters in the story that centers around this woman named Ruth. Ruth is actually the woman that this book is named after. But even as I say that, what is maybe a bit curious as we study this first chapter is that it speaks mainly about a different woman, right? Chapter one speaks mainly about this woman, Naomi. And Naomi, who we learned about last week and who we will learn more about today, was the wife of the man Elimelech, all right, right? You remember that? And if you remember, Elimelech was the man who led his family out of the promised land in hopes of finding a better life as he looked on at what seemed like greener fields in Moab. Now, what comes next in this story, what comes next in this second part of chapter one, I think might be what will feel like the most real part of this story to us. I think what we're going to talk about today very well might feel like the most real part, the part that we might be able to identify the most with uh, here in the second part of chapter one, because what we're about to read is the response of a woman who has been brought into a sense of her emptiness, while also being led to continue on to go forward in the life that she has been given. And remember, I told you though, as we understand Naomi's story, I told you that this is a love story. Right? The, the book of Ruth is actually a love story because although she might not yet see it as clearly as we can because we have the whole narrative, we have the whole book, what is actually driving her or strengthening her in what she, is, what she already has or what she actually never lost is God's covenantal love. She might not recognize that what she possesses is God's covenant to love, and that is what is actually driving her or strengthening her. So let's go ahead and read our text for today. And if you would, please, if you're able, stand with me in reverence of God as I read it aloud. Again, this is Ruth chapter 1, verses 7 through 22. This is what God's word says. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your own way, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? 
No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. For the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went, until out, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? And she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has tested, testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And when they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. Let me pray for us, and we will continue. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and hear from you on a daily basis through what's been revealed to us. Help us, Lord, to seek you there, but also today, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive what you have. Lord, know this is challenging to us. Even in this narrative, hopefully we can see ourselves in this story as a way to worship your son more and more in all that he has given to us through his life, death, and resurrection. Lord, help us to be the church. Help us to be your people as we walk this out together. We love you and we trust you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Now, this just happens to be my second time preaching through the book of Ruth. And this time, what I'm noticing is that I think I missed a few things the first sort of go around. As well, um, I'll tell you that this section, this particular section, chapter one, was honestly a bit hard for me to process through. And I think that was because of some um, external factors that were going on. But mainly, it was because we as people in our day are more like Naomi and Elimelech than we care to acknowledge. So in recognizing that, it was causing a bit of trouble for me because so often we are driven to choose what feels best for us in the moment, regardless of what our good Father in heaven has already said about it in his word. After all, that's what Elimelech's problem was. That's also what Naomi's sin was as she followed her husband into the land of what became her emptiness. Naomi just simply um, accepted what was being done for her, and she didn't stand firm by what God had already said and done for her people, that people being the, uh, God's chosen people. And we too can become so easily momentarily blinded by what's right in front of our eyes. We can focus so much on just what's right there in front, of, in front of us because whatever that thing might be, it can cause us to not recognize the larger picture of what God has already revealed for us. The moment becomes our focus. We actually become our focus. And in that state, we too can become bitter. In that state of selfishness, we too can become bitter because when our desires are not being met, we will become angry. We can become bitter 
as our desires are not met, which will lead to us becoming angry, which then affects how we treat the people around us. Now, of course, we want to be seen as good people. We want to be seen as polite people. So we might do our best not to lash out at first, but it's that feeling of what is simmering down below that will identify for us that bitter grumbling. We can sense that bitter grumbling as we recognize our own discontentment with how the moment is going for us. But as we take that honest look, we must remember, it is important for us to, to, to honestly look at ourselves and look at the conditions of our hearts. But as we do that, we need to remember that we are also given hope. Right? This story reminds us of hope, and it's that hope being revealed through this love story because it's reminding us about God's providential care for his people because it's always been God's covenant love to his people. He might walk us close to the fire, yes. He might lead us in a way that brings us close to the fire, but he doesn't do that to destroy us, rather to strengthen us, right? His desire is that we learn to trust in him more and more through the deepening of our faith so that we too can be a reflection of that same love to the people that he gives to us. But I think we should be clear though, it's not our doing. It's only done through Christ who strengthens us. Now in this passage that we're going to be studying today, the passage that we just read, we can actually divide it into two sections. And it can be divided because the writer of Ruth really does separate it with conversations. There's the conversation of um, uh, the, sort of the before the journey for Naomi. There's a conversation going on between Orpah and Ruth and Naomi before the journey home. And then there's conversations about when Naomi arrives at home there in Bethlehem. So let's focus in on those conversations because in that first one, Orpah and Ruth are faced with the same decision that Naomi had to work through after her husband and sons died. Therefore, we can imagine that they had been wrestling with this reality of whether they should stay or whether they should go. Right? Elimelech brought them, but then once he died, Naomi and her sons had to decide, do we stay or do we go? Then once the sons died, Naomi had to decide, do I stay or do I go? And now for Orpah and Ruth, they have to decide, should we go or should we stay? If we go, this land, Bethlehem, will be new to us. It might be Naomi's home, but for us, we will be foreigners. If we go, who then will marry us? What kind of life will we actually have? Because at that time, where you were from or your ancestry mattered a great deal because it showed people who you were or who you believed in. As well, like Naomi, they would have had to have been asking, who's going to take care of us in that time? That, that, that mattered. Times were a bit different then. They had to have been considering, if we go, who's going to care about us? But if we stay... If we allow Naomi to go on alone, then we can remain in Moab. Then we can remain where we are known. Then we can remain with our people where we are comfortable and might even find a new husband. Someone might even take pity on us and marry us. And yet we are told in verse 7 that they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now that could be a bit confusing. 
right? Because we know not both choose to go, so it can be a little bit confusing. But today, when someone leaves, we might um, walk them to the door. We might likely say goodbye to them. And then, but once they go, we shut the door and we lock it behind them, right? Oftentimes, we don't even watch the headlights turn on with their car as they're going out of the driveway. But goodbyes at that time were different, all right? Verse 7 is not telling us that Orpah and Ruth left with Naomi. They're simply saying that they went on the way towards Judah. Because you see, culturally, when a loved one would leave home or, or would, was sent off to go on a trip, the family and friends would walk with them for a good while. They would go down the road a ways with them as they were sort of sending them off. This would allow them to maybe, you know, reminisce about the, uh, the recent visit or talk about the plans that that person might have in the place that they were going. Therefore, it gave Orpah and Ruth time. It was, makes sense that as they walked with Naomi that they too were contemplating this decision. Should we stay or should we go? But think about it from Naomi's side. If her daughters did go, if her daughter-in-laws did come with her to Bethlehem, then that would mean two more mouths to feed. That would mean that there'd be two more people to clothe and to shelter. And at this point, Naomi isn't even sure if she can find that for herself. As well, if we put ourselves in Naomi's shoes, it's quite possible that their very presence would have been a constant, painful reminder of everything that she lost in Moab. If Orpah and Ruth came with Naomi, then they would, there would be definitely no escaping those possible feelings of abandonment that she might have had for her husband who left her in that land. There'd be no escaping the, the remaining emptiness because of all of that unfaithfulness. Which is why, as they walked together, Naomi decided to plead with those girls. Verse 8, she says this, Go. Return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Now, Naomi might have felt cared for by these women as they walked with her, but in Naomi's mind, enough was enough, right? Enough was enough. She tried to entice them, therefore, to go back to Moab, to go back to the things and, and help them recognize what they had left behind. But out of a likely sense of obligation, in verse 10, they say, no, we will not leave you. We will go with you to your home. But Naomi doesn't give up, and she continues her plea. She is determined to convince them to leave her, to let her drift away in her emptiness. Verse 11, she says, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that, I may become your, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And with that... Orpah walked herself right out of the Bible. With that, Orpah left the story 
Because once she really actually heard what Naomi was saying, once she realized that there wasn't anything guaranteed for her there in Bethlehem, Orpah says goodbye forever with a kiss. Now, Maranatha, before we get too hard on Orpah, would we have made the same decision? Do we make the same decision? Because after all, what seems like the more logical choice is the choice that Orpah made. And to make my point, let me give you just a moment to imagine what might have happened for Orpah as she returned to her people. Just think about as she returns back to Moab, what might have been sort of her, um, her circumstances. Do you imagine that she would go back into the town and she would find her family and be able to, to be with them? Are you imagining that, yeah, she might have spent a little bit of of time alone, at least for a short while, but possibly another man came along and she married. And then because she has this new husband and God's condemnation or judgment isn't upon them, she was able to have kids. Her life could have been wonderful. I don't think anybody imagined that when she went home, she was forced to live on the streets. I don't think any of us imagined that as she went home, she'd be destined to have a life marked by disease and pain. Nobody imagined that for Orpah. We imagined that things were pretty good, and why do we do that? Why is that? Well, it's because we glamorize everything, even this broken world. We glamorize this broken world. It's just simply hard for us to imagine our life going badly, even if we recognize that we are choosing against God's will. We give ourselves so many justifications for what we do. Here's my point. Orpah looked at what was in front of her and she chose what she could see. She chose what was right in her own eyes to use that last line from the book of Judges. Therefore, she may have chosen the easy life, She may have chosen a life that was easy, but what she walked away from was the opportunity to actually know the God of creation. She walked away from a relationship with the one who could actually give her a life in abundance. She looked at the tangible possibilities in Moab, and she chose what seemed satisfying to her in the moment, just like Elimelech. But Ruth chose differently. Ruth chose differently. That's what we're told. Verse 4. Verse 4 tells us that she clung to Naomi. Now, of course, Ruth also knew that staying in Moab would have granted her the best chance for safety, for security, and maybe even some sort of significance. Because truth be told, we can avoid all sorts of difficulty in our life. All we have to do is do nothing. We can avoid all sorts of difficulty in our life if we just simply choose what is right for us in the moment. But Ruth chose to remain with Naomi. Although in verse 15, Naomi is still pleading with Ruth to leave her alone in her emptiness. She says this in verse 15. See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But then verse 16, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. 
For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. Now here, Ruth is not saying, please don't tempt me because I just might hear you and go on and leave. That's not what she's saying. Rather, what she is saying is don't even try to change my mind. Ruth recognizes what she's doing. Ruth understands what she is giving up. She knows that she is yielding herself to a life where she doesn't understand what is before her. She realizes that she's giving up her home. She realizes that she's giving up her comfort, that she's sacrificing her life. Really what she is willingly doing is laying down what we would call her identity in order to serve Naomi, but also to submissively put her trust in her God. And we know this because she announces that if she ever fails in her faithfulness to this covenant, then she will willingly come under the Lord's just judgment of death and damnation. She understands what she's giving up. She understands what she is choosing. And Naomi's response is also telling. I think it reveals what we learn next about her because her response is silence. Verse 18 says, And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Not thank you. Not it sure will be nice to have some company on this journey. No, nothing like that. Rather, after one of the most emotionally charged speeches in all the Bible, Naomi's response is nothing. In fact, I read the original Hebrew would have it written like this. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. And that attitude continues on. That attitude continued on even as they make their way into Bethlehem, the place that they were going. Look at verse 19 uh, through 21, where Naomi's past 10 plus years gets summarized pretty quickly by her. It says this, So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Naomi's assessment of her situation is emptiness. Emptiness. Really? What about Ruth? Was Ruth not with her? Does Ruth mean nothing to her? What we feel from Naomi in this moment is this cold bitterness that existed within her heart. But yet again, we have to be honest because can't we too act this way when we are hurting? When we are as low as we think that we can get in the moment and someone comes to us in love to simply care about us, how do we respond? How have you responded? There might be time where, again, we want to be seen as good and polite, so we are kind, but 
eventually enough is enough. Eventually, we are done with trying to hear how all of those good things from God are also for us. Yes, that is true about him, and yes, that is true for those people, but are those things true for me? Sometimes we desire to despair because we are not willing to believe God's promises. We choose to remain in that pain because there are times that we feel as though we understand that pain better than what is true. Now, I've said, this is a love story. This is a love story. And sometimes the ones being loved don't know they're being loved in the moment. Which is why I imagine the writer of this book ended this chapter the way that it does. Verse 22 says, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. You see, what's interesting is that Naomi wanted for herself to be called Mara, which again means bitter, because she was discontent with where she was and with what she had. Her choice of name is also interesting because her people, the people of Israel, experienced another time when bitterness was all they could see or taste. In the Exodus, when God rescued his people from slavery, from the people of Egypt, he rescued them out of slavery, he brought them through the Red Sea, and then he led them into the wilderness for 40 years, well, they became thirsty, right? They were a little parched, but in Exodus 15, to quench their thirst, all they could find was this bitter water, which was actually a reflection of them. And they grumbled. But God nevertheless graciously turned that bitter water into sweet, drinkable water in order to demonstrate that he was their good father and that he would be the one to protect them and provide for them and sustain them. That miracle was not done for them or for us to make us believe that we deserve better than what we have. Rather, it was to prove that God's covenant love will never fail. That is why that was done. Because his covenant love is not founded upon who we are, but rather it is secured by what he chose to do before the foundations of the world were even set in place. It was secured by what he chose to do. And this all comes together as we see that, yes, of course, Naomi and Ruth needed to be provided for. They needed provisions for this renewed life that God had given them. Therefore, not so coincidentally, God brought them home exactly at the moment when the harvest was ready. Exactly when what they needed was available for them. Now quickly, what should we take from all of this? Well, we need to take away that the gospel is the fundamental answer to everything that we need. God's provision, God's covenant love is the answer to everything, the fundamental answer to everything that we need. Every part of this story of Ruth is only here to be a pointer forward so that we can better see what is revealed and accomplished through Jesus, who is the Christ, which is proven to be true by his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Everything that we need, everything that we can trust in has been proven to be true because Jesus is who he says that he is. And that is guaranteed by his life, death, burial, and resurrection. All that we have, 
All that we need for this life and the next is found in Christ our King. He is our provider. He is the one who protects us and he is the one who secures us and sustains us. Maranatha, let's hope in that. Let's recognize that his covenantal love is what gives us what we need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your love. Thank you, Lord, that you chose to love us even though we don't deserve it. Help us, Lord, to walk that out. Help us to be a reflection of that good love to the people around us and let us be a church that loves you and your way above our own. Help us to not be so singular focused in our ways, but open our eyes to see the good truth that you give to us in your word. Lord, thank you for this body. Thank you for this people. Thank you that you give us one another to walk this out as we all are wrestling with our own hearts as we seek to honor you and glorify you. Lord, we're grateful that you care for us better than we know how to do for ourselves. Thank you for always being with us through your spirit. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.